Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. But today we're looking at um, we're we're looking at a, a man named Paul, uh, and I, I love I love the story so much. I feel like I say that every time, and and I probably do. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump into Acts chapter twenty seven. If you want to turn there, Acts chapter twenty seven. If you have your uh, fresh Bible, is this page number six hundred and seventy three? Growing up, I wish my pastor would have done that for me, so I'm gonna do it for you. I like this table. I feel more much more chill in this. <clears throat> Maybe I need that, so I'll stop talking so fast. Um, Acts chapter 27, 673 in your fresh Bibles. Uh, Acts chapter 27, verse 27. We're going to start there. We're gonna, like I said, we're going to talk about an, a man named Paul. Sorry, I was ambitious. You don't have to throw it up yet. Um, we're going to talk about a man named Paul. Uh, and, and so if, if you've been to church for probably two weeks, you've probably heard of this guy named Paul, okay? He's a pretty popular, pretty famous guy in the Bible. Uh, he used to be named Saul, and, and he had a radical encounter with Jesus. You can read about it in Acts 9. Um, about Jesus was like, hey, you've got a lot of influence. He was a Pharisee, by the way. Paul, uh, Saul was a Pharisee. You know, the religious people we, we talk about in the Bible all the time, the religious people that, that tried to that, uh, that, that crucify Jesus. This, this is who Paul is. And so Paul, or I'm sorry, Saul at the time, uh, let's just use Paul. It's easier that way. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a religious teacher of the law, of the Jewish law, and uh, had a radical encounter with Jesus and just completely wrecked his life. And Jesus was like, hey, you've got a lot of influence, dude. You can use that for my kingdom. Boom, you're blind for three days. And it's like, whoa, that's, that's cool. Like, again, you can read about it in Acts chapter 9. But um, Paul, Paul, Paul is pretty famous probably because he wrote half of, almost half of your New Testament. Um, so he, he's, he's a very famous church planter. He, he's very passionate about, uh, I mean, if you have a radical encounter with Jesus where he literally speaks to you and blinds you, I mean, it's, it's pretty life transforming. If you ask me, I, I would probably do, probably do the same. And so he's just this, this very passionate church planter. Uh, and so a lot of the New Testament, he's writing letters to those churches, telling them how much they've messed up since then, but correcting them in a good way, in a good and loving way. So it's all good. And we can use it for our correction as well. But uh, uh, Paul, what am I getting at here? Paul, oh, yeah, Paul, Paul he, he's, he's on this missionary journey, right? He's, he's going over to, he's going all around these places trying to plant churches, trying to get the gospel, the good news of Jesus for everybody to hear. That's the Great Commission, right? To, to, um, to make disciples of all nations. And so that's what Paul is trying to do. He's trying to make disciples of all nations. He's going out and planting churches every single place that he can. And uh, consequently, that gets you in a lot of trouble and back in the day whenever following Jesus was not popular and it's... It's still not extremely popular today, but with way less consequences, I think. Um, so, so, you know, Paul is at risk of persecution, of, of, of losing his life. And, and so this is the kind of trouble that he can get himself in. And this is actually where he found himself. He was, uh, he was imprisoned, and so he's, he's, he's trying to appeal to uh, the Roman governor, uh, Caesar, uh, to try to get his freedom so he can keep doing more ministry. And, and so um, they're taking him on a boat. Paul's going on a boat, and he's with a bunch of other prisoners. And we'll read about this too. He's uh, with a bunch of other prisoners heading to Rome, and he kind of runs into this little detour. And that's the story we're going to dive in today in Acts chapter 27. We'll actually go through the end of 27 into 28 just a little bit. But uh, we'll start here in Acts chapter 27, verse 27. Uh, it should be on the huge Bible behind me. There it is. Boom. Sorry, I gave him a cue, and I already said it when I wasn't ready for it, so that's on me. But uh, let's, let's start reading in verse 27. 
It says, about midnight on the 14th, oh, okay, there was a big storm. I forgot to give you this context. It was a huge storm in, in the middle of the boat. That's how they got on the detour. On the, on the detour. About midnight, the 14th night, 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors, since land was near, they dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found that it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid that they were going to be soon driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though... They were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the, to the commanding officer and soldiers, you will all die unless all, the, all of the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the rope to the lifeboats and they let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat because that's what he's worried about right now. You've been so worried for the, you know, that you haven't even touched your food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. But it, so he, he took some bread and gave thanks to God before them all. And broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing off the cargo, I'm sorry, throwing the cargo of the wheat overboard. When the morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to the shore by running the ship aground. So they cut the anchors and left them in the sea. And then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed towards the shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The, uh, the, the bow of the ship stuck fast while, while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. You didn't know the Bible was an action story, did you? The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners but to make sure that they didn't swim across the shore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul because apparently he knows something that we don't. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could to swim and jump overboard and, and make it for land. But the others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to the shore. And then this is where we'll read in, in chapter 28. And once we were safe on the shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was lying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out from the heat bit him in the hand, and the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, A murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. When they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided that he was a god, and Paul shook that off too. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to, to uh, I forget how to pronounce his name, Publius, I think, uh, the chief official of the land. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with a fever and dysentery. So Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying hands on him, he, he healed him. Then all of the other sick people on the island came to where he was healed. As a result, they were showered with honors. And when the time, time, came, to to, blah, blah, blah. When the time came to sail, the people supplied us with everything that we would need for the trip. And the message trans translation puts it this way. We had a wonderful three months on Malta. What? <laughs> okay, I don't know where you get that from. But so this, this is the story we want to talk about today. I, I want to really dive into this story. I want to really dissect um, this, this passage of Scripture and see, what, what, see how God interacted with Paul and, and his story and see how we can put that into our story. I, I want to talk to us today, today from the idea that God can take a setback and turn it into a setup. 
God can take your setbacks and turn it into a setup. In fact, that's, that'll be the name of my sermon today is, is Setbacks to Setups. And help me, help me introduce my sermon title to your neighbor. Elbow them this morning. Wake them up if they didn't have their coffee. Say, hey, neighbor, it's not a setback. It's not a setback. Come on, elbow. Tell them. Really, I'm, I can see you. Tell them. It's not a setback. It's not a setback. It's not a setback. It's a setup. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray in the presence of the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus, for this incredible time of worship. Thank you so much for this uh, opportunity to, to hear your word, to, to be influenced by your spirit, and, and to hear what you want us to hear today. And God, I just pray you'd speak to our hearts and let us leave completely different than the way that we came in this morning, thanks to only you uh, in this place today. It's not a program that's, gonna, that's going to enrich our lives. It's not, it's not uh, a service that's going to enrich our lives. God, it's only you, and you are the reason that we're here today. Speak to our hearts this morning. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Um, I'm sure we all know this person, um, but, but I want to ask the question anyways. Do you know someone that is like extremely happy and optimistic all the time? Do you know, is, aren't they annoying? <laughs> they, uh, you know, they could be going through anything, like, and they just got the biggest... I just got the biggest smile, you know, oh man, everything's, every, you know, and you run into this person and, uh, you know, they lost their house, they lost their job, they lost their car, they lost their bank account, all their assets, and they just, they just got a big old smile, like, God is good, and it's like, how are you doing? How are you doing? And they're like, oh no, the Lord is faithful, and, and you know, you ask him, it's like, well, I know the Lord is faithful, but how are you? How are you doing? It's, oh, God is, God is good. I heard, a, I heard a pastor do this one time, and, and I want you to do this exercise, and turn to your neighbor again, I know, you, you just talked to him. Tell, and tell him this. God is good. Go, go ahead. God is good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I am not God. <laughs> I think someone needs to hear that today. It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. We, we're here to help. But do you know this person that's just like extremely optimistic? It's like, I'm good all the time. And all the time, I am good. You know, aren't they? They're just so annoying. I can't stand these kind of people. I'm this way sometimes, but not all the time. <laughs> it's just like, how are you? How are you so happy? How, what What did you do today to make you this way so that I can be this? You know, and uh, th this is Paul in our story. Th this is Paul in our story. Um, you know, it's it's Paul is in the midst of this uh, uh, this the shipwreck, right? He's he's on this ship with 276 other people, and you know it's been storming for two weeks, two weeks in a row of this awful awful storm. And and understand that um, when it, when when people on a boat say it's an awful storm, it's a really awful storm. The fishermen. They have boats. They, they're out on the sea all the time. They encounter storms. They build these boats to endure storms. So when, when a fisherman or when someone who's a sailor says, this is a bad storm, it's a really, really bad storm. And so this, you know, everything's, you know, just crashing. Waves are crashing. The wind is just blowing. And, and Paul's like, hey, have you guys eaten? Are you, are you hungry? Can we get some bread? Can we, are, can we get some bread in here? And so everyone's trying to, you know, like hold on to the ship. And, and Paul's like handing out, you know, <laughs> scones. He's like, all right, come on, let's, let's eat, guys. You haven't touched your food in two weeks. And so he's like, let's, let's, get, let's give thanks to the Lord. And, and so they pray over it. The, the winds are blowing, and he's trying to hold on to the boat. He's like, thank you, Jesus, for this, this amazing scones, you know. I just, I, I don't understand Paul sometimes. He's, he's just completely optimistic and um, 
People look up to this guy. So if, uh, oh, I didn't give you the meme. Man, there's a, there's a meme I wanted to show. Never mind, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> no matter what he dealt with in this, in this situation, I, no matter what he faced, no matter what he went through, Paul never lost his temper. Have you noticed this? Did you read the story? He never was like, oh, God, why is this happening to me? You know, or I, I'm just, I can't believe my ship fell apart. Like I was on the way to Rome and now this happened. Like, oh, of course, it would be me, snake owl. Come on. You know, and, and he, not once does he lose his composure. Not once does he lose his cool. He, he keeps it all together. And I, I think about me and you, or, you know, we can't even keep our composure when, when our Amazon package is a day late, you know, <laughs> or it doesn't come within the time window. The other day, we ordered something from FedEx, I think, and they, they placed it right in front of the screen door. It was a heavy thing. They placed it right in front of the screen door. So when I went out to get it, it lodged itself, almost ruined my whole day. I couldn't keep my, I almost ruined my whole day. Um, you know, we, we can't keep our composure. When we wake up and we still see the gas is $5 a gallon, it's like, oh man, still, like, it's a surprise. You know, you post it on Instagram, like, we all know, okay? You know, <laughs> I, 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 I can't keep my composure when I'm on the interstate and I'm going 45 and a 70. Why? Because there are two tractor trailers sitting right next to each other, going slow as can be. The Lord tests me in the car. I, I'm telling you, I have to keep a Bible in there because I know I am tempted to say some things I probably shouldn't say. I don't know how we can keep our composure sometimes, you know, and, and I, I know I lose my composure from time to time. I read stories like, like this and, and Paul and Malta, and I'm just like, how, how in the world are you, are you keeping it calm, cool, and collected, you know? And, you know, I, I, I know that these are all jokes and just obviously first world problems, you know, and, and I know that there are some of us here who, who don't know how you can get through the next hour. You don't even know how you, how you can go home and, and feed your family. You know, there are, there are lots, of, lots of things that are holding you back from keeping your composure. You, you don't know, you know the, the, the job that you've been applying for and applying for. Someone else got the promotion, and they've been there less time than you. Like, that, that's enough to, to lose your composure. You know, you, you, you're about to lose your house. You never thought that you'd be in a situation like this. You never thought your marriage would be on the brink of divorce. You never thought it would end up this way. I, I, I understand there's a lot of people here that are going through some real-life stuff. And it's understandable that we can't keep our composure sometimes. And, and, and you know, we read, we, we, when we get like this, we, we go to the Bible and we, we, we try to find, you know, verses that will help us overcome these things. You know, we, we, we read in, in Jeremiah, you know, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, there's no weapon formed against me that will prosper. I will never leave you or forsake you. And all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And if I could just be honest with us, Sometimes it just doesn't feel that way. It really doesn't. Sometimes it, 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 it just doesn't feel like God is there taking care of us like it says he will in the Bible. And I, I get it. I, I've been there myself. Even as a pastor, I've been there myself. Like, what's, you just throw your hands up in the air sometimes. Like, man, I just can't hold my composure sometimes. And, you know, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. But sometimes I just, I just feel like freaking out. When, when, when you are encountering setback after setback after setback after setback, it's like, man, when does it end? How can I be still when my life is falling apart? I'm on the proverbial boat and the, 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 the waves are crashing over it and breaking the boat. How can I be still in moments like, how can I, I know I overreact in situations and circumstances. 
I know I freak out too much sometimes. I, I, I know that I, I live in a constant state of anxiety and fear and worry, and I'm always worried about what's going to happen next. How, how can I be let down next? And I, I get these things, and we're constantly looking out for these things. We read stories like we did with Paul and, and wonder, man, how can he keep his composure? How can he keep it all together and, and have that stupid smile on his face? Like everything's fine, you know? How, how in the world? You know, we say faith, but I mean, come on, for real. That's tough. That's really tough. I can't help but to think how I would react in a literal situation like that. If, if it, see, I don't, I don't like the beach, and it's not because of the sand like I tell everyone. Honestly, I really just don't like the water. Have you seen Finding Nemo? That fish out there with the light bulb on his head, he's out there somewhere, and he's in that same water. I'm not going in. So <laughs> I'm serious. You think I'm joking. So when I read stories like this, and, and there's this, I mean, giant waves, and I mean, like I said, I'm telling you, these, these boats were designed to handle this kind of abuse from the waves and the winds. And, and for the, this boat to be falling apart, it's got to be a really, really bad storm. Paul even tells him, hey, don't go out on the lifeboat. You're going to die. It's, if this boat can't handle it, that one's certainly not going to handle it, you know? And so I, I, I just can't help but to imagine what I might do. I, the, the only thing I would not be in the middle of a storm holding on to driftwood is calm, cool, and collected. And yet this is how Paul is. This is how Paul is. He's calm and cool and collected and somehow unaffected by all of everything that's going on around him. I just, I don't get how Paul does it. And you know, maybe, maybe Paul has something to teach us here. And, and, and maybe there's something that Paul knows that, that we don't. Maybe there's something that Paul has that we don't. You know, we can say, oh, yeah, well, the Holy Spirit used to work different back then. No, it didn't. He works the same way he's working today. They were just more responsive to him. Is it too early in the sermon for some mean stuff like that? I normally keep the mean stuff at the end. Oh, it's the favor of God on his life. We have the favor of God in your life, too. He's just more re- responding. He's more willing to respond to, to what God has, has done for him. I'll just be mean. That's fine. You know, we wonder, what, what, does, what does Paul have that we don't? And the answer is going to sound so silly and so simple, so just bear with me, okay? Paul had a positive perspective. That's the response I expected. Paul had a positive perspective. That's, that's what he had. And I know this sounds a little self-helpy, and that's not like what I'm trying to do here. Um, you know, but, but in order to see the ways and opportunities that God can use your life, and that God can use your bad situations, that God can use the, the, the parts of your life that, the, that you feel like the boat has just been broken, and there's drift, whatever. In order to use, for God to use that, we have to, we have, to have the proper perspective. No, no, it's not natural, but it's intentional. We have to have the proper perspective. The positive perspective. And I, I, I love how, how God gives Paul this, this peace that is unexplainable, that doesn't make sense in a scenario that could very well be the result of, of the end of Paul's life. And yet he is calm, cool, and collected. And actually the 276 of those sailors on board are looking to Paul for answers. What do we do, Paul? As if he controls the winds and the waves, you know? <laughs> what do we do, Paul? He's like, I don't know. Just, same thing you've been doing, I guess. Just don't, don't leave. You know, that, that's, that's the power of a positive 
perspective. Again, this is not a self-help thing, but, but I'll, I'll get to it. Um, but I want to note that there's a, an important distinction but, um, that, that needs to be made. And, and I, I don't want us to confuse perspective uh, with perception. Because oftentimes they're interchanged. However, um, they're, 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 very, they're very similar, but enough to, different to be a distinction that we need to recognize, okay? So, so um, they, they, they're, they're different, yet similar, but they go hand in hand at the same time. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. So, so per, uh, perception is what you see. Perception is what you see. So, so, so uh, you know, you are the only person <clears throat> with your perception, because you're the only person that can use your eyes. <laughs> you're, you're the only person that sees things the way that you see things. It would be very point blank here, seeing things. You, you don't have my perception right now, and, and I have my perception that you will never have, and I see all your faces just really staring out at me. Am, am I okay? Are we, are we following today? Are we good? Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding, by the way. Um, but, but perception, uh, this is the only thing that you, you can have. Perception is what you see. Um, nobody can see life through the lens that you see life. Now, perspective, perception is what you see. Perspe- I'm sorry, perception is what you see. Perspective is not so much what you see, but how you see it. Okay, so perception is what you see. Perspective is how you see what you see. And, and normally you're usually to gain, you're usually able to gain perspective based on your perception. Perception is what you take in. Perception is how you process, or how you, um, how you feel emotions. You see something and immediately your emotions flare up or, or something happens because of what you see. Now perception, that's perception, perspective, I'm going to get them confused. Perspective is how you process what you see. It's how you see what you see. Let me, let me give you an example. My wife is absolutely gorgeous. I love her to death. She is beautiful. I married up. I know I did. As good looking as I am, I know I married up, okay? <laughs> so what I see, she's gorgeous. You know, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but whenever she comes around the corner of the house and goes, boo, that um, is my perspective that says, holy crap, there's someone right in front of me. It was beautiful, but wow, please, just chill, <laughs> you know. So, so perception is what you see. Perspective is how you see it. Another example we've probably heard of before is, um, you know, you, you, you have a, a, a glass of water that is poured into about the halfway mark, uh, and your, per- your perception is, okay, this glass has water filled to the halfway mark, Perspective is, okay, it's either half empty or half full. You know what I'm talking about? It depends on the day that you, you've been having where you decide if it's half empty or half full. Perception is what you see, and perspective is how you choose to see it, and you react based on your perspective, okay? So, 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 so here's Paul. He's shipwrecked on, on this island, right? You know, the, the, um, had this, this nice prisoner boat, enough, big enough for 276 people. And all of a sudden, everything happened to where the winds crashed down under, the waves crashed down on, and he's, 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 everything's broken, and they're holding on to driftwood, trying to swim to the closest island. And all of a sudden, they, they see this, this island on the, on the shore. There's sand, so they go to it, and all of a sudden, they get there. It's an island they've never heard of before. And, and then after all this has happened, they're trying to figure out, oh, my gosh, how am I going to get back? We don't, there weren't cell phones back then. There was no GPS. You know, so they, they've never even heard of this place. They don't even know how to get back to anywhere. And then all of a sudden, uh, Paul is, is building a fire just because that's what you have to do. And the snake bites him. 
I mean, come on. I, I think with, with our perception to be able to, to, to read this, we would say, well, I mean, this is, this is just a bad situation. This is the facts. These are the facts. I'm shipwrecked. I'm stranded. I'm lost. These are the facts, okay? Faith is not in the facts, though. That's an important distinction, too. Faith is not the facts. Faith is your willingness to move despite the facts. Okay, so your perception is important to understand and to see what's going on, but your perspective is going to say, okay, let's take a step back and let's see how we're going to process this. Let's, let's see how we're going to react to this. Faith is in your perspective. Paul actually writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Uh, he says, uh, for we live by believing and not by seeing. We live by believing, not by seeing. I love the message translation that puts this. It's what we trust in but don't yet see that keeps us going. Or if you've been in church for a while, you'll know the KJV. For we walk by faith and not by sight. This is, this is Paul writing in, in a different letter to the church of Corinth. So, so he's saying, look, you know, it's, it's important to have your perception, to see the facts, to know what's going on around you, to be aware of your situation. Uh, and, and, and his perception is this is not an ideal situation. However, Paul's perspective is based on faith. His perception is not an ideal situation, but his perspective is based on faith. Perception is what Paul saw. His perspective is based on who Paul knows. His, Paul's perception said, this is not good, but Paul's perspective says, I know a God who is. Paul's perception said, this is not good, but his perspective says, I know a God who is. Because Paul didn't see this shipwreck as bad as it is. As bad as it is. He didn't see it as a setback. He saw it as a setup. Because he knows a God who can turn your setbacks into setups. He doesn't see it as a setback. He sees it as a setup. And I think someone needs to hear this today. Your position is not your problem. Your perspective is your problem. Your position is not your problem. Your perspective is your Your placement is not your problem. Your perspective is your problem. Your coworkers are not your problem as, as much as they seem like they are. Your perspective is your problem. Your job, consequently, that you prayed day and night for to get, that you hate now, <laughs> is not your problem. Your perspective is your problem. Your perspective is so important when we move in faith because we can decide based on our perception, based on what we see, we have a decision to make when it comes to our perspective. Either we can take this at face value, or we can say, I know a God who's come through before, and he'll come through again, so my perspective is, yes, I, this does not look good, but I know a God who is, and we move based on our perspective. Having the proper perspective is crucial to living out the purpose that God has for your life. I know this may look like a setback. I know what you're going through looks like a setback. I know it feels really, really bad. It feels really, really not hopefully. You know, you never thought your, your marriage would be like this. You never thought not being married would be like this. Your finances are like this. You're struggling at your job or, you know, you're, you feel like you're spiritually attacked right now. I know that that looks like a setback, but don't you know we serve a God who can turn mistakes and turn them into miracles. We serve a God who turns failures into freedom, trials into triumph, and he'll turn your setbacks into setups if we let him. And there's absolutely no hardship, no, no letdown, and no mess up, and certainly no attack of the enemy that can say otherwise, that can overcome God's good plan for our lives. And in Genesis 50, 20, it says, you intended to harm me 
but God intended it for good. There is no attack of, of the enemy that can, that, can, that, can, um, <clears throat> that can interrupt God's good plan for your life. He'll try really, really hard to attack your confidence and your perspective because if he can get those two things, he's, his job is done. If we give up on our perspective, if what we see is bad, and we give up and we throw in the towel, Satan wins because we're not living out the purpose that God has for our life because we're unwilling to move based on the opposing situations that we're in. If, if there's anybody in here who has seen the goodness of God come through in, in, in the God's good intentions for your life, would you shout amen? Thank you. I know there's some people in here that have been through some amazing, amazing encounters with God, because despite your perception, you moved on your perspective. I've heard stories. I've seen it in my own life, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's worth every, it's, it's, it's worth everything that would cause a setback again to trust God. It's worth everything. As Christians, as children of God, who have the spirit of the, of the living God living within us, we cannot walk around being victims because in Jesus and with Jesus, we already have the victory. We just have to shift our perspective despite what we see, despite what our eyes tell us and what our feelings tell us. I know it doesn't look good. I know it looks like we're losing. I was telling God the other day, the other day I was like, man, I just, I just feel like Christians right now. I don't know why. I just feel like we're losing feel like we're losing. I, I complain to God all the time. We, we have a designated time for me to complain often. <laughs> I, I suggest you do the same. It's good. I was like, God, I, I, just, I just feel like we're losing. I just feel like we, we don't have, I know we have the victory. Like, I, I get it, but it just feels like we're losing. And, and I heard God say, are, are you willing to move despite what you feel? And I was like, well, I am now, <laughs> but, but, and there's a, I, I wrote it down. In the NBA um, in 1996, the Utah Jazz played the Denver Nuggets, um, and this is the biggest deficit in NBA history that was, um, that was overtaken. So the Nuggets were crushing the Jazz. At halftime, it was uh, 70 to 34, and in basketball, that's, you might as well just give up right? But the Jazz, they, they decided they weren't going to throw in the towel quite yet. They were going to just play their hardest and do everything they could to overcome this deficit. And wouldn't you know, they overcame the greatest defi deficit ever recorded in history and came back to beat the Nuggets at 107, or to one, from, beat the Nuggets 107 to 103, if you care about basketball. I thought that was pretty cool. But can you imagine how different that story might have been if, if at halftime the Jazz were like, you know what, guys, let's just, let's, let's rest. We're going to have another game coming up really soon. There's 82 of them, you know. Let's, let's just rest and, and just take this one easy. But, but, but no, there were, there were some leaders on the, on the team that said, no, we're going to keep fighting for this. I know this is the hugest deficit in NBA history, but we're going we're gonna to make sure that, that we can come out on top of this. And, and wouldn't you know, with their hard work and efforts, they did that. Can, but, but can you imagine they just threw in the towel based on what they saw? They saw the scoreboard. And I feel like there's a proverbial scoreboard up right now. And, 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 and it looks like we're losing. It looks like we're losing. Are we willing to throw in the towel just because of what we see or because of what we might feel? Or are we going to shift our perspective and say, look, I know this looks like a setback, but I know a God who can turn it into a setup. And trust in him. Trust in him. We have got to shift our perspective despite what we see around us. And, and hear me too. 
having a God-centered perspective doesn't mean that you fake it. I, 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 I'm not suggesting that, you know, um, if you're going through like a really traumatic thing right now that you just put on a fake smile. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I, I, you know, don't, don't, don't put on a fake smile. Convince yourself and everybody else you're okay. Don't convince yourself that your trials and tribulations didn't happen. I don't think that's good at all. Uh, but what I am suggesting is that you don't give in to your setback just because it's, set, it's, just because it's a setback. Don't give in to your opposition just because it's opposition. That, 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 that we, we, you know, <sighs> I'm running out of time, but I want to say this. When, 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 when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus carried the cross on his back and they were whipping him and beating him, shoving a crown of thorns in his head, ripping out flesh from him, calling him names and, and really just ridiculing him, spitting on him, really just downright disrespectful stuff to Jesus, his disciples, the 12 of them that, that followed him, everyone but one was like, this, is, this, this guy must not be real. He must not be who he says he is. He must not be the Messiah that he promised to be. This is, this is, we lose, we lose. And they went in hiding. But, but they didn't, they didn't wait out God's good plan just because of what they saw. And I wonder how many miracles we miss out today based on what we see in front of us or what we feel that is happening to our lives. I wonder how many miracles we miss out just because we throw into the towel just because we throw in the towel. Thank God that, that Jesus was, was, despite the setback, that he was part of the process of God creating the, the, the best setup in, or in, in human history, the, the greatest redemption plan in human history. The whole reason that we're here today, what looked like a setback was actually a setup. Paul didn't throw in the towel just because things were hard on Malta. Granted, you know, being lost at sea in a place you've never heard of isn't the most ideal situation, but he had confidence in the God who provided for him before and who will do it again. His confidence was in God's consistency. And so instead of giving up, he was diligent. He was confident that, that, that God could even use this shipwreck for his glory somehow, some way. He was confident in God. And he kept pressing forward. He kept pursuing the person of Jesus over focusing on the problem. So he says, all right, this is my situation now. This is what I'm dealing with right now. God, I leave it into your hands. I'm not just going to sit here and cry about it. I'm not just going to sit here and say, all right, God, you know, have a 747 plane come and swipe me, swoop me up and let's go back to Rome. But he was faithful with where he was. He was faithful with where he was planted. And he said, all right, let's, let's, let's build a fire. Right? And so he gets, he gets all this, this firewood and he throws it in the fire. And you remember what happens? The snake comes out, poisonous snake comes out, and bites him on the hand. As if this is adding insult to injury at this point, you know? And so, so, so uh, this poisonous snake comes and bites and latches onto his hand. Do you remember what Paul did? He shook it off. Elbow your neighbor real quick. Say, say, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Paul shook it off. Hear me today. Perspective doesn't prevent persecution. I wish it did, but it doesn't. I, I don't want to lead you astray and tell you one thing 
and say, oh, following Jesus is butterflies and rainbows and everybody's happy all the time. And we can just, life is never hard. I wish I could be the sales rep to say that. <laughs> but that's not true. A hard, a hard, that's a hard truth about following Jesus. It's not, it doesn't always look good. It doesn't always feel good. In fact, Jesus promises there will, there will be persecution. But he also says, take heart. I've already overcome the world. When we follow Jesus, we have a God-focused perspective. He gives us the ability to shake off the attacks of the end attacks of the enemy. He gives us the ability to shake off the persecution, shake off the lies, shake off the deceit, shake off the insecurity, shake off the worry. And God will enable you to keep moving forward despite your, your, your persecutions. Don't let your persecution have more power than the person of Jesus. Keep your focus on him. And my gosh, if Satan doesn't love to attack you when you're down. Satan? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it looks like a setback, guys. <laughs> I love you, Noah. <laughs> but, but you know, it doesn't mean, having a positive perspective doesn't mean that the snake bites don't hurt. The snake bites hurt. I think everyone it will have a snake bite at some point in your life. And, and I'm sure if Paul felt that snake bite for a while, he might have, he might have felt it in his, you know, woken up from his sleep because of how, hurt it, of how bad it hurt sometimes. Snake bites hurt. Let's stop pretending they don't hurt. But, but it wasn't the end of him like everyone expected it to be. Ooh, that's so good. It wasn't the end of him like everyone expected it to be. What if your setback hear me, and I'm not trying to be insensitive. What if your setback can influence other people in such a way where, where they, they see what's happened to you and it's not good? And what they thought would end you, you get to use and say, look, I, I've got this, this man named Jesus who I love and who loves me. And no, this doesn't look good, but I'm able to use it for his glory. I don't always understand what that means, but I know that I'm just going to keep trusting him. What if, what if your setbacks are setups for other people, just like it was for Paul? And you know what the setback did, right? It was the setup to change the entire island of Malta. This, this island of Malta had never heard of Jesus. They're completely disconnected from everybody. They never heard of Jesus. So when they see this guy get the snake bite and they expect him to die and he doesn't, they say, well, something's different about this guy. Who, what's going on? So the more they get to know Paul, they're there for three months. The more they get to know Paul, the more they see, wow, this Jesus guy, he's, he sounds really, really awesome. And, and one of the leaders in Malta, they says, hey, my, my dad is sick. Would you come pray for him and, and see if he can do something? And, and this opens up the door because of the setback. It opens up the door for Paul to come in and pray for this man and heal him. And it says that the, everyone else in the island, everyone else that was sick on the island was like, well, who is this Jesus guy? I got to find out about him. And they, they start coming to Paul too. And Paul's healing them through the power of Jesus. And it was at that moment that Paul realized, oh, okay, this is, this is how God can use this. And it's so funny, well, not really funny, it's, it's cool. It's interesting, crazy how God works because even still today, Christianity is the uh, number one faith practice on the island of Malta still. 
all because of this shipwreck that Paul didn't let ruin him because he knew a God who could use it for his glory. And I think some of us today, we, we're, we're, we're off the beaten path. It feels like things are crashing in, falling apart. Sometimes you don't know where to go. Might I just suggest to us today that if you can use your perception to recognize, oh, wait a second, this is a setback. This isn't good. But instead of reacting to, this isn't good, let me try to fix it myself. What if we said, okay, God, I'm going to surrender this to you. I'm going to be faithful with where I am right now. I'm going to keep pursuing the person of Jesus despite the problem, despite what I see around me. I'm going to keep trusting you and pursuing you and allowing you to use this somehow as a setup. We serve a really big God. Does anybody know this? We serve a really, really big God. There is nothing too big and there is nothing too small he can't use and turn into a setup. There is nothing you are going through today that God cannot use for his glory. I want to read one last passage of scripture here from Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. He is now seated in the place of honor beside God's It's an endurance race. Sometimes it'll take three months. Sometimes it'll take 30 years. But we have the power today to shift our perspective. Despite our perception and and, and what the world tells us, what our eyes tell us, we have the power to shift our perspective and keep pursuing Jesus. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Keep pursuing Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not what's going on around you. I know it's not good, but keep your eyes on Jesus, who is good. Keep your eyes on the only one who can who can take what you're going through right now and make it beautiful. He's the only one who can turn our setbacks into setups and do something so much greater than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. God can write your story if you let him. Your story doesn't end in your setback. I had a friend tell me this once. He said, you better let God write your story because God only writes bestsellers. We have the opportunity to trust him today despite what we see. I promise it'll be for the better. I promise. Trust in him today. Trust in him today. Let me pray over us real quick and we'll get ready to get out of here. <laughs> get in the cars and get in an AC. <laughs> it's whew, it's hot. <clears throat> Let me pray over us today and, and, and send us out and commission us. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for your spirit, for your presence that is residing in this place, speaking to each and every single one of us right where we are today in our good season, in our bad season. You are present even through it all to the end of the age. 
and we are confident that no matter what we go through, no matter what happens in this world, we know how it ends. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And so we do that today. We confess that you are Lord. We make you the Lord of our lives to guide us, to lead us into everything you want for us, Jesus. I pray that through our storms, through our shipwrecks, through our, our, our um, being stranded, it feels like, that you would give us the power and the boldness to choose you and to seek you every single time, every single time. encourage you today, if you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you, life is so much better with, with him. It's not always easier, but it is so much better. And you have the opportunity today to choose Jesus before you leave these doors. And I want to encourage you to do that. It's not a weird thing you have to say or, or pray or do. It's just making the decision in your spirit, in your heart to say, Jesus, I choose you and I follow you starting right now and just take your next step towards him whatever that looks like for you even if it's just a small one the bible says taste and see that the lord is good if you give him a little he'll show you a lot of his goodness he cares for you and he's orchestrated everything for you to hear this message today I want to encourage you to make that decision before you leave today. Come talk to us. We want to help you and we want to pray with you and do that with you. God, I just thank you for every person you've brought into this place today. Lord, I know it's hot. <laughs> what looks like a setback might be a setup because we needed to hear this message today. God, let us shift our perspective and to seek you in all things. We love you so much. We praise you. We give you all of who we are in this place today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus. Jesus.